Now, let me share with you something that has gone far better than expected and uh, far better than I expected. And I tend to have one who has average expectations, except for myself. Um, You are sitting in a facility that has surpassed my expectations, not because it's a cathedral and it's marvelous, but because of the process we went through. And if you haven't caught up, I mean, if you're new to us in the last uh, uh, year or so, maybe you haven't heard this account, but I want you to know that sometimes God shows up and does things better than you could dream or imagine, which is where our passage ends this morning. Uh, I arrived here in 1997, and in the first few months, we put a bid on this property, and the answer was no. It's Bob Mayo's fault, those of you who know him. He's gone, so I'm blaming him, okay? <laughs> Secondly, we go back in 1999, and we make the same offer on the same property, and the answer is no. So, in between that time, I've just sort of given up, but everything that they try to put on this property falls through. Every buyer, every, you, know, you name it, it just falls through. So, myself and some others... We continue to pray from time to time. Uh, I usually come over to the property and do a prayer walk on it. And my prayer, along with others, has been this. Lord, if it be your will, we'd love to see a church on this property. And personally, I'd love it to be ours. But if not, that's okay. It was originally designed to have a debt-free church on it. We did half of that. And, and it was wonderful. Also, starting from 2008, in our old facility, we had a list of 20 priorities for our ministry that we couldn't do in that facility. We had a plan to expand it and and to remodel it. And uh, everyone who talked to us said, you know, as a contractor, instead of remodeling, have you ever thought of just scraping and starting all over again? And we were thinking of that. But we had 20 priorities to do a ministry that we wanted to do, and I want you to know that something has turned out better than expected. All 20 have been impacted as we've come here. And there's still a couple that are in process, but believe me, it is marvelous to know. Now let me talk about something else that was better than expected. We raised the money for the property in one hour. That that was amazing. More than that, when we uh, started to go through, because I've been through some building programs before in other churches, uh, and uh, we usually have a a group of people in churches who say, whoa, but here the the phrase was giddy up, keep going, please, just giddy up, keep it going. So so I I have to say that as I've gone through this process, uh, I've been a little slower than some to get us here. And I have continually been amazed at the um, the low-key seeking of funds and the high reward we get through that. And the other thing that I've been totally amazed at is the unity of Bergen Park Church as we've gone through this process, which is now in its eighth year. Just astounding. And many of my prayers have been answered as well as the prayers of, of others. Now, that has gone better than expected, and I hope you have some things where you can honestly say, it appears that God has shown up through all, through all of this evidence that we have. Now, I want you to think, uh, if, if you were to be praying for certain things in your life, and God was to show up and do more than you expected, um, what would it be? See, I I was asking for favor 
with our lending bank. And I was asking for protection from bad contractors because I've had one or two. I was asking for provision of funds and guidance for our leadership uh, in the construction and the ministry teams. And uh, it's quite a story because God was answering all those prayers. And these last eight years here at Bergen Park Church will be a long-term memory that I have of God showing up and God being with us as we've gone through a process. Um, And it wasn't just me. There were many people involved. And you can hear the people stories, but I hope behind that you are hearing the God story. God was in the background moving us forward to completion. We come to a point now in our in our studies of uh, uh, of the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to young Christians in in Ephesus, third largest, most magnificent city in the whole uh, Roman Empire, which is in Turkey. And we're coming to that point where we're finishing the first half. And in that first half, the emphasis is on God showing up. And God is being bragged on by Paul again and again and again. And now we come to a second prayer. Now, the first prayer was preached on February 28th, and you can go online and hear it. It was done by Doug Parks. And uh, he was looking at uh, the issue of, of Paul praying for the knowledge of the people, the knowledge of God, the hope in Christ, and the power that God was providing them. Now we get to this point where Paul prays again. He's caught praying again. I mean, here he is in a terrible situation, but he's praying for the church that he's writing to. And uh, while he's praying, we need to understand that many of our prayers are what I call gimme prayers. Lord, give me this, give me this. Give me that. And I have a lot of give me prayers. Let me just share what some of them are. There's a lot of S words here. We pray for safety. And we should. Those of you who drive on Interstate 70 every morning, you're right to pray for safety. Because besides you, there's two types of drivers, the idiots and the morons, right? (laughs) And you're the only sound person driving on that road. It's terrible sometimes. Um, Sometimes we are praying for a supply. In other words, Lord, we need this, and and we're bringing it to you, and Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread. I would like to pray for my Maserati, but it hasn't yet come up as daily bread. All right, then we pray for strength. Uh, We like, you know, strength to endure certain situations that we are in, and, you know, we don't know how they're going to come out. We pray for strength against temptation. We know that God does not lead us into temptation. We, we do it pretty well by ourselves. And, and, and so we're praying for the strength to overcome it. We pray for success in our lives when we're going to be taking risks, uh, maybe risks of faith or risk in our business or risk as a family. And we pray for God to guide us or you might say to steer us when we need wisdom in the immediate choices we are making. Now I want to say this. God is your heavenly father loves to hear you as his children come with prayers like these. He's delighted. He says, tell me more. Tell me more. What else is on your heart? But in addition, as we read the prayer in front of us, we understand that God also desires more types of prayer from us. And we're going to discover that as we come to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. See, in addition to those prayers of what I call the gimme prayers, uh, there are prayers that we're about to read for spiritual maturity of the Christians. Not of Paul, 
but of the Christians in Ephesus. And so instead of a give me prayer, I guess I'm going to call this a grow them prayer. Lord, grow these people up. In Christianese, when we talked about uh, spiritual growth, the, 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 the term that you'll see in, in scripture is sanctification. It is not Greek. It is really a, a, a Latin word. Just as we talk about certain people being saints, sanctification is that same root that we use. It means essentially growing in the likeness of Jesus. And here is how Paul prays as he prays for his church. Now understand he's writing this from prison. And as he prays, there's not one word in here about, Lord, you've gotten me out of prison before. Can you do it again? Or, Lord, the chow in this prison is pretty bad. Can you just improve it? Can somebody slip me a Snickers or, or something like that? He's not caught praying for himself. But he's praying for the church in Ephesus. And so I begin uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. For this reason, meaning every way that he's bragged on God in the past, I kneel before the Father uh, from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I pray that. So it begins with him saying, I am now giving these requests to the Father. And I'm asking that he would do something that would be amazing. But it's not about me. And so he now tells them, this is how I'm praying for you in Ephesus. And I consider Paul to be inspired. So the prayer of 2,000 years ago is just as relevant as a prayer that we would be praying right now. See, the whole letter is declaring, especially the first three chapters, that every Christian is rich, but only spiritually, not necessarily physically. We are rich spiritually because of what God has given us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We may not yet be employing these spiritual blessings, but they've been granted to us. And one of the great spiritual assets we have is power. He prays that we be filled with power. And so it says in Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man. Now, most of you would know that we are in a uh, election season and we're about ready to, uh, uh, to determine who has the political power in our country the conservatives or the more liberals. And uh, many of us have already made our choice of which side of that line we, we are on. But when you think about power, often then in this season, it's like who has the power of influence over other people or over their vote? This is not that type of power. This is God's influence over your inner being so that you may display more of him in your life. That is the power of being spiritually transformed. I remember eight years ago, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama declared that his presidency was to be a transformational one. And as of now, we can honestly say that our healthcare system and our international uh, relationships are at a different level than they were before. Things have changed. Now, you may not like those changes or you may love them. It doesn't matter. There's been some change occur. So now he's saying, well, this is not about power over people, but God's work in people. 
And as I understand it, God's power works this way. You place your trust in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you are a new person by the promise of God. A new person spiritually. How are you new? Well, first of all, your sins are forgiven. Your eternal destiny is secured. But also you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, but that that person is God's source of spiritual power within you. So following Jesus Christ is not so much, how much willpower do I have? Some of you have a lot of willpower. Then there's some like me who don't. You can't take me by a bag of Cheetos without buying it, okay? Uh, donuts. Today's Donuts Sunday. It will take a lot of willpower not to eat them all. It took a lot of willpower not to sneak into the kitchen when no one was looking and get a, you know, a free sample. That's willpower. But following Jesus Christ means we have power from God to do His will, not to have greater willpower. We have power from God to do His will. So in another letter that Paul writes, also from prison to the Christians in Philippi, that's in Macedonia or northern Greece, Paul states that the God who has begun a good work in you will continue to perform it. That means what he has started, he will continue to do. And the resource he has is the Holy Spirit who is in you, who will do things that you cannot do on your own. You are filled, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And God will continue to do that work in you, even if you resist It may slow down a little bit, but he will continue to do that work in you until either Jesus Christ comes back or you go to be with Jesus Christ. This is the work of God's Spirit who has come to live inside of you. Over the, you know, over the years, I've, I've, uh, found many things that have helped me. I, I I gave, I I offered about uh, two months ago this little booklet called My Heart Christ Home. Man, you took it. I've ordered more, but I can't get it. But it talks about this little passage of what it means for Christ to live inside of you. Let me go to verse 17 here of chapter 3. It says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not dwelling there now. It means that he's given more and more influence. He's, you, know, you let go of more, so he takes more. And the idea here is that there is an ongoing and a growing influence of God's Spirit taking over your life. And God will continue to do this. You may try to resist him, uh, but it's a poor, poor issue. You against God. He may slow down a bit, but his goal will be the same. And so he will continue to do that. So when he prays that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man, understand that God has already begun this work and he will continue to do it. So the first thing that he's praying for is power. The second thing he's praying for is love. And you find that in verse 17 and 18. He's praying that believers would display more love. I begin at the second half of uh, verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power again, uh, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. Now, I've gone forward and read more of it, but what he's getting at is the second part, is that it is something that you will rarely see anywhere else in the world today, a people that truly love each other, not because they're in the same family, but because they're in the family of God together. And you have to admit that sometimes the church doesn't display that love among denominations. Uh, maybe it doesn't display that love even with inside of it. But here is, if I understand it correctly, here is how it begins. That he asked that we might have enough of that love in us so that we would begin to know the greatness of God's love for us. And I, I think it works this way. We find ourselves loving. To some extent, loving especially the other believers uh, of, of the people we know. We find ourselves loving to some extent. We go to the Bible and we find out about God's great love for us. In sending his son, we look at Jesus on the cross and we get a deeper understanding of what that love means. It's a, sacrifice, a sacrificial love, meaning that um, we choose to love others more than maybe we love ourselves at that moment. So our love in comparison to God's love for us through what we see on the cross, our love does not seem as great in comparison. But it shows us how much greater we can love, that we come to an understanding of the heights and the depths and the breadths of of Christ's great love, and that we want to comprehend that love And to do that, it says we need spiritual power. So love and power are working together. The Holy Spirit is giving us power so that we would be better lovers. I know it sounds a bit confusing. You know, I'm a person who studied uh, uh, factual things, accounting, uh, uh, science, and things like that. I studied those things. Here we're talking about how God is working on the inside, and it goes beyond uh, sort of human understanding. This is the workings of the inner man under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And to understand that, we need some help. We need God's help to understand how he does it. Let me just pray right now that what I wasn't able to explain to you, God will do it supernaturally. Let me pray. Almighty God, power and love, the two great thoughts that come out of this passage, Power and love. Power from your Holy Spirit. And when your Holy Spirit is evident, there will be love. If we are able to grow in love, especially for those who may be difficult to love, if we're able to overcome all the ways in which they're not like us, if we're able to... uh, overlook some of the things that aren't so good about them and just love them. That takes power. Your power and your love, maybe, Father, you can sink more deeply into people's lives because it's a mystery. It's a spiritual work. And all the words of humankind will fall somewhat short. So, Lord, you take further and deeper and make it show more evidently than even my words could describe. And last this in Jesus' name.
I'm not done. That was not the end, okay? I know prayers always come at the end. I got to fool you every once in a while. We have so many different backgrounds represented here. Everything from secularism to Catholicism to Baptists and everything in between and even some people who come from a New Age background. And sometimes our expectations fall short. In other words, it's not what we expected to happen. What is the pathway to the answer to that prayer? That's what I want to deal with with just the rest of this message. How does God seem to work? What should I expect? How can God be even (laughs) uh, uh, more praised? Uh, how, How can we even say, Lord, you've done far more in me than I ever dreamed or imagined? Well, I think the pathway that we want to be aware of here, and it was pretty clear through what I was just reading, is that you have to understand that this transformation process of power and love means that God is leading from the inside out. His spirit is doing the work on the inside. So I have found many Christians who are, you know, who give up on this, uh, on this sanctification process. They say it's too difficult or I fail too often or it's way too slow or it seems to be I'm in a season of ineffectiveness that nothing is happening in my life. First of all, the pathway to spiritual maturity is different from most of our normal human experiences. It is God leading through his power and love on the inside of us so that it's showing on the outside. It is spiritual, not physical first. It is not the same as willpower. And believe me, willpower alone will not do what God wants to do. Um, And do not think first, those of you who are considering Jesus Christ, that before I become a Christian, I need to clean up my life. And then I'll be more worthy of following Jesus Christ. If it's really God's power, then understand what he is saying to us is, uh, put your trust in me, let my Holy Spirit dwell in you. And let me clean you up. I'm going to do a far better job than you would on your own. It is God working from the inside, not you thinking, I have to do all these things on the outside first. So you turn to Christ and you say, and you, and you discover that here he is cleaning up your life. And that's part of the normal pathway. It is a spiritual pathway, not necessarily a human one. The next is that this, uh, this sanctification process is God leading us on a journey. It's not an event. There will be a lot of special experiences that you have. I can think of a, a whole handful of special experiences that spurred me on. But those do not translate into daily behavior and daily thought life. No one camp, no one seminar, no one teacher, no one book, no secret, secret formula that you may have learned will result in instant spiritual maturity. Our old nature erodes over time. And even the greatest saints I have known, the greatest Christians I have known, would be the first to call themselves ongoing sinners. And so I am a sinner. But I'm on a journey. And I am not the Christian I was 40, 50 years ago. I'm not the Christian I was even 10 years ago. So it's a journey, not an event. Finally, God is leading us to a goal. 
And, and from that phrase, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. Understand that sometimes you get disappointed because you had a very high expectation and you didn't achieve it. It was never completely achieved. In this life, understand the goal will not be for you to be perfect, but God wants to make progress through his spirit. And, and so his goal is, are we continually making progress? When uh, Paul writes to the, uh, to the Philippians again, in chapter 3, he goes, I have not yet arrived. But I keep pressing on to the goal. I keep pressing on to be fully Jesus Christ. The goal is to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. And God is making more of Jesus come through more of you. So God is in this for the long haul. Are you? Are you counting on the fact that, yes, there may be seasons in which he is moving in your life and doing great things, but there's other times in which there's even, not just slowness, but even defeat. He's in this for the long haul. He's not about to give up on you or anyone else, no matter what the, you might say, what the standard is or how how fall, how much you fall below the standard. Now, let me say this. Everybody who becomes a member of Bergen Park Church, uh, we ask them to read a covenant and say, is this what you expect your life to be? And they look at the covenant, and there's many things on there. And believe me, we don't do a checklist on them every year. How'd you do here? You know, we don't do that. That's up to you. But for the members of Bergen Park Church, one of the commitments they make is this. I will pray for the spiritual growth of Bergen Park Church. Everybody raise a hand. Everybody raise a hand. Okay, you've just answered. I was, you know, here's the question. Keep your hand up. Are you praying for the spiritual growth of Bergen Park Church? Thank you. Man, that is so encouraging to see. Oh, I am so blessed. Okay, uh, that is what it is supposed to be. Understand that in the give me prayers, God loves those, but he also wants to grow in prayers. And I have to understand that God wants to grow me. And as I'm around other people, he wants to be growing them also. So we actually get very specific to those who become members. And and we have to understand that we're living in a consumer culture. What do I mean by a consumer culture? Uh, It is that we make our choices according to what is the best offer available to us by our standards. So you choose um, your, you know, your, your entertainment system. You choose whether you have cable or, or whether you have satellite or whether you have nothing. You, cho- you make all these choices according to what's best for me. And in some ways, you should choose your church in terms of what's best for you. But there's another way in which you are saying, I am in this church to help bring about the spiritual maturity of the body of Jesus Christ. And it begins by praying for that body. It continues in many other ways. But I will be praying for the maturity, the spiritual maturity of this body. Now, don't raise your hand because I'm not going to ask about your performance. But I know that God is answering so many prayers of those of you who are praying. 
I just wanted, I want you to hear this. This is a great season for spiritual growth to be a part of Bergen Park Church. I am meeting with person after person who are, you, you might say, at crossroads in their lives and making decisions according to, you know, how God will be glorified through that decision. And, and Paul is thinking the same thing as he closes this great passage. And understand, as we finish chapter 3, he's going to go on in chapters 4, 5, and 6 to talk about far more practical things. But behind it all is the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Behind it all, you've got to see this is not just what is required of us, but this is what God is doing in us through his Holy Spirit. And so even though he ends this bragging on God in this, in this last uh, couple of verses, he ends this, uh, this uh, section of bragging on God and that we understand we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We, we also understand that this is God who is doing this work. So when you pray for the spiritual maturity of your church, I want you to know God's answer is yes. I am going to honor that prayer. And I want you to know that there is evidence after evidence that this is exactly what God is doing even now. He is bringing about greater spiritual maturity among us. It is, a, it is such a blessing to be here at this time for me. So uh, here is what it says uh, in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now get this. We understand about glory in Christ Jesus. We get that. John writes at the beginning of his gospel, and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We understand Christ's glory. That's fairly easy for us to do. But his whole prayer is to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Pretty rare. But you're being put together with Jesus. The glory that he has with Jesus is the glory that he has for his church. Awesome. And yet, let's be honest. We're not that great. We know that God is at work. And we understand that the secular world looks at the church and it just calls it an expression of Christianity as a religion. But God calls Christians the advertisers, the advertisers of his greatness. That's the glory of the church. And so the rest of Ephesians goes into the practical parts of what this sanctification looks like. And it's really deep and and really particular. And we'll be getting into it starting next week. And it tells us what it means to live a faith that that displays Christ dwelling richly in us and, and Christ dwelling through us. But we don't start there. We start by continually bragging on God. 
as we have in the first eight messages. This is what he is accomplishing. This is who he is and what he's going to do in his church. And we realize that among all all the peoples of the world, we who call ourselves followers of Christ are the richest in the world. Not because we're Americans. We're the richest in the world because we share every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places with other believers. Awesome. Let's pray. Lord, we want the spiritual assets that you have given us to be used from the inside out so that you would be smiling, not just at us, but at your whole church around the world. And so we pray right now for your power, just as Paul did, that we would be experiencing not just knowing that we have that power, but experiencing that power and experiencing that love that you have promised. First of all, in each of our individual lives, but also in your church. And Lord, forgive me because I've already been so immature today. And also for your whole church around the world. Thank you. In the great name of Jesus who came to us full of grace and truth. And in the very high expectation that you are achieving. That in each one of us. Christ may dwell in our hearts richly. And all of God's people said, Amen.